0: What is up everybody and welcome to tailgate talks powered by the nation today it's monday november 6th and you're listening to episode number 204 today we're recapping a win over the tcu Horned frogs for the first time in five tries the red raiders get a win over the Horned frogs win the saddle back bring it back to lubbock where it belongs uh, we'll get into that game we'll preview Uh, Texas Tech's upcoming game against Kansas. And also, folks, it's basketball season. Texas Tech basketball season tips off this week, Wednesday night, against Texas A&M Commerce. Uh, A lot of Texas A&M-type schools will be playing this year, leading off the season and the Grant McCaslin era. So we will dive into this year's team uh, to discuss, uh, of course, their their scrimmage victory over Texas A&M. Uh, dive into the roster, talk about the players, talk about expectations and all that. So we've got a fun episode for you guys. Lots going on here with Texas Tech Sports. Uh, And so we are here to cover it and to catch everything we are doing here at Tailgate Talks. Make sure you are following us. Follow us on Apple. Follow us on Spotify. Give us those five-star ratings, five stars for the Tailgate. And if you uh, listen to us on Apple, we always appreciate a review also, follow our social media accounts. We're on Twitter at telgate underscore talks. That's where we do most of our posting and interacting. Uh, go check out our video of the play of the game at TCU when the opossum ran across the field. We've got a good video of that. Uh, give our Twitter uh, a follow. We're also on Instagram. We're also on Facebook. We also have a YouTube channel. been kind of quiet there lately, but we do have it. So if you want to give uh, that YouTube channel a follow and support us there, Please do so. And lastly, if you have any questions, comments, anything you would like us to discuss on the Tailgate, you can send us an email at tailgatetalkspod at gmail.com. So with all of that said, let's go ahead and get into this week's episode.
1: We're gonna start this thing off right. And I've been waiting all
0: my life to do that. Well, Texas Tech gets the victory over the TCU Horn Frogs in the battle for the saddle on Thursday night with a 35-28 win. Baron Morton returned back healthy for the Red Raiders and was a key contributor in the Red Raiders pulling off the win. The first time uh, in five games that you've gotten a win over the TCU Horn Frogs, they had come into this series with four straight victories. Uh, uh, interesting tidbit, Dustin, you are 3-0 and against TCU on Thursday nights now in the last decade, uh, so maybe we just got to keep playing TCU on Thursday nights. But, hey, what was uh, your thoughts from uh, the game back on Thursday? I know we've had a few days to digest this and go over it, but, yeah, what were your thoughts on the win for the Red Raiders?
1: Yeah, overall, really good game throughout. Um, lots of good special teams, offense, defense, everybody was good. Defense came up with a couple turnovers late to help you steal that game. Offense did pretty well with running it great, and then throwing it when you had to. Even took a couple yeah. deep shots. That was the most surprising part, probably. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: It wasn't just Jake strong deep shots either. They actually like <laughs> yeah, it wasn't sense. Jake
1: in there just launching it? Um, so yeah, really good overall game and also nice to get it done on a Thursday night and have all weekend to enjoy it and have a free Saturday again, two weeks in a row, basically. So yeah, really good performance.
0: Yeah, I thought so too. I thought um, we definitely talked about this before is that Baron being back and being maybe more healthy than he's been all season was going to really make a difference for the offense. And you had I uh, didn't quite get the 300 yards, but he was close. The offense was balanced. It looked good uh, for the most part. Like you were uh, having lots of success through the air and on the ground, you have 146 yards for Taj Brooks. Uh, and so the offense seemed really balanced, which is what we were calling for is the, yeah, you still need to feed Taj, but wanted to take some shots downfield. You were able to do that. He hit on two, uh, two kind of long touchdown passes, one to Miles Price, one to Dre McCray, a Dre McCray sighting, um, uh, a Dre McCray sighting, almost as rare as a possum running around on the field, which uh, happened while you were in the bathroom. Did you? Uh, what were your thoughts on uh, everything around the possum? Because uh, that kind of took over the the Twitter after the game was over.
1: Yeah, I loved how everybody jumped on the the possum train yeah. and posted memes and gifs. And we had a really good video of it. You know, a lot of people had yeah. the very end. We had the whole thing running across the field very crazy. I thought it was impressive that we had a animal handler on deck <laughs> ready to go in okay, case go. a possum or fox or whatever runs on the field because she was there very fast to get that possum off the field. Great job.
0: <laughs> yeah, they were, they were ready. Uh, don't got to get ready if you stay ready. I definitely think like there's something, the last two Thursday night games at home versus TCU, you had a fox, you had an opossum. Uh, what I was saying is you know, he was probably just going for his Thursday night stroll when there's nobody there. And then all of a sudden, there's 50,000 people here and didn't know what to do. Um, but good job by all to, to make sure he was taken care of. I know President Skovenek was a big part in that. He pet, he petted the possum, uh, but made sure that he got to safety. But that was definitely something interesting that happened during the game. Um, any other little tidbits from the game? I know there's a couple calls that I would like to discuss. There was the uh, going for it on fourth down. You had. You had uh, the 20 to 7 lead coming out of halftime. TCU goes down and, on what was a pretty brutal drive for your defense, goes down, makes it 20 to 14. Your offense gets the ball back and you go for it in your own territory with a lead, which ends up, you know, backfiring. You don't get the first down. TCU ends up going down and scoring to take the lead. Now, ultimately, you get the win. What were your thoughts, though, on kind of that? Those couple drives back to back because I know it sucked a lot of the energy out of the stadium there.
1: Yeah. Looking back through my game notes, that, you know, we're going into the halftime up 13, I believe, feeling really yeah, good. Feeling really, seven. feeling really confident. And then you, I don't think you get a three and out. They get a three and out, something like that. And then you pin them with a punt at the six. Yes. They go 94 yards. Great job. Um, but great punt. Pin them. But on that drive, like to go before your fourth down question, you had multiple third and fourteens and a third and eight or nine in there on that drive that you could not get off the field. And that was such a backbreaker because like your defense did good on first and second down, would get a negative play or penalty on the other team. And then it's like, oh, but – Third and fifteen is way easier to get than third and five yeah. on us, and so that leads to you know them going nice. down, scoring a ninety-four yard drive. Uh, can't capitalize on some good defensive plays because you give it up later. Uh, you couldn't cover the basically a middle skinny post route is all it was. Yeah. Like I think that was like three of their places, skinny post over the middle for twenty yards, like easy catch and throw and catch from a quarterback who was terrible all game. Um, then you get the ball. Yeah. And then you go for it on fourth and one at your own 30 ish yard line. Um, I I think you get that. If the snaps, not high, you get a direct snap to Taj. That was over his head. He had to jump for it. So that's a delay in him getting some momentum to run it. That crushes you. Honestly, like they come at you, crash, get you. And then they score an easy touchdown. I mean, I I was at the U that I would rather punt that with your punter just bombing one and having a great season. He's done it all year. Um, And TCU was coming at him all night, and he was just getting off bombs after bomb and pinning him inside the ten almost every time. That's like one of your best weapons, flipping the field. And you saw your defense have a good drive. They just couldn't capitalize and get off the field a couple of times. So, like have some assurance and faith in them that they can finish off one of those and, you know, pin them. Let's go do it again and get off the field there. Um, It sucked that you didn't get that fourth, and they turn around and get a quick touchdown like three plays later um, and take a one-point lead. So, yeah, it took a lot of momentum out pretty quick.
0: Yeah. And luckily you were able to bounce back and now it doesn't matter, but it's frustrating because you had the same kind of scenario in the Oregon game and you saw how that backfired. And so for me, I thought you would have learned a little bit of a lesson from that and like, Hey, maybe it's it's safer. I know like the analytics probably point to it, but analytics don't account for a bad snap. They don't account for like how the game's going all the time. They don't account for
1: having a badass punter.
0: Yes, that was the next thing. They don't account for a guy who like almost every single time will pin them inside the 10-yard line. And it's like, sure, your defense just gave up a back-breaking drive, but at least they made them work and have to go all the way down the field to do it. So uh, it was just kind of a baffling call. And Now, luckily, you're on the right side of it. You end up battling back and getting the win. But ultimately, it was kind of a bizarre, uh, bizarre little time there, and then it really just sucked away. All the momentum that you had, had everybody feeling very uneasy in the stands. But ultimately, like we said, you battled back, you got the win, uh, ended up going up by 14 points uh, and then, you know, gave up a touchdown to make it a seven point game, had to hold on, got the turnover at the end. Uh, but ultimately, Barron was back. This was by far the most healthy he's looked and played all season long. does some of your thoughts on Barron and, and his performance on Thursday night.
1: Yeah, Barron looked good. Really solid. Didn't look like he was limited on throws like we had seen in some previous games. He um, was able, able to air it out pretty well. Able to run strong. His strong throws were strong and there like normal. Um, now there were a couple times it looked like maybe not quite 100%, but overall really, really good. Um, I have nothing bad to say on him from that game.
0: Yeah, I'm with you there. I don't really – it's hard to nitpick when you're 28 of 36, 282 yards, two touchdowns, had one rushing touchdown. Um, Yeah, I thought his decision-making that continues to be – uh, what has put him head over heels over everybody else. I think he really makes smart decisions. He doesn't put the ball in harm's way. And maybe that's something that kind of hurts you at time to times. Like there is a few times he tried to take deep shots, but you could tell he didn't feel sure about it, whether it was like the receiver wasn't going to win or he just didn't want to put the ball in harm's way. And so sometimes that maybe hurts you, but ultimately like this has been a problem with this team is turning the ball over. He doesn't do that. He makes the right decision. He gets the ball out. I saw a stat that RC posted of like when he was throwing to the left side of the field, he was like eighteen for twenty-one or something like that. Didn't matter how deep he was, just like super dead accurate to the left side of the field. Uh, so that's very something you know encouraging to see is is his comfortability with that. Now, um, can he get better at going to the right side of the field? Things to work on, but ultimately you could just see the command he has of this offense, how the offense performs when he's out there, which is uh, definitely something that. Uh, it was very valuable. What was your overall thoughts offensively and kind of like our, our, our weekly kitley status update here? Because I, I thought this was probably one of the better games he's called.
1: Yeah, better games. I mean, outside that fourth down that we just talked about, pretty well overall. Yeah, I mean, we wanted balance, and we got 31 rushing carries and 36 passing attempts. That's pretty pretty damn balanced to me there. Um, the fourth and – what three or two from the seven for the first touchdown with the speed option call the little yeah. recall from like NCAA 0-4, and Barron ran it to perfection on that. Yeah, that was a great call. That was a nice throwback kind of call. Great move there. Um the three now to start the game still pissed me off. I mean, yeah. I I have told you, and I just, you know, came upon me at the time like we talk about his three and outs either before you know, starting games or halftime. Like Those are supposed to be scripted plays and better ones. Maybe he doesn't have a scripted yeah. set of plays, and that's just what he's feeling and rolling with, and that's yeah. part of the problem. <laughs> so that's what I'm going with now. I've, I've turned my page on that. He just doesn't even have a first 12, first 15. <laughs> he just goes oh, on his feel. <laughs>
0: Maybe a script comes after the first drive yeah. when he's like, yeah. "All right, this That's is what, what the I'm... defense is doing." Yeah,
1: I... but I overall, know. pretty well. Um, balance some shots. Honestly, yeah, probably one of his better games this year.
0: Yeah, I definitely thought so. Like uh, one of the things we were discussing, you know, before the game was was the TCU defense and how it was pretty even on. Like, all right, they give up this amount of yards passing. It was like two sixty passing, and it was like one. 50 rushing and you were like right there on both of them and that's what we thought the key to the game was it was like you got to give a healthy dosage of Taj um and, and you got to be able to spread the ball around with the passing and so I thought both passing and running game really complemented each other uh and so that was really fun um stats wise offensively again Barron 28 for 36 for 282 two touchdowns the one rushing touchdown that Dustin mentioned on that uh fourth and in uh fourth and short yardage situation on the speed option. That was a really nice play. Um, Taj Brooks, 31 carries for 146 yards and a touchdown. And Taj Brooks passes the thousand yard mark on the season. Uh, The first Texas tech running back to do so since uh, Deandre Washington in 15 and 16. So uh, pretty cool for him there. Dustin, your thoughts on Taj Brooks and him passing that uh, very rare thousand yard mark for a Texas tech running back.
1: Yeah, very rare, and he did it with three games to go. I mean, it's only three.
0: And two games where they didn't
1: give him the ball. six carries against Oregon, remember that. So, basically, through seven, eight games, uh, 1,000 yards, that's how good he's been. But, yeah, watching the highlight replay, he just had some great, incredible, and tough runs. I mean, and these weren't just the normal, like, you know, has two yards and stumbles for three or five. This is like breaks a tackle, gets to the next level, shakes a guy off, and somehow gets 12, 15 yards. A couple of his touchdown runs were that way. Um, he had 16 broken tackles yeah. in the game. That's outrageous. That was- That's incredible.
0: Like Most in the Power 5
1: all season. So good, so tough. Like, have, like It was probably his best overall game of the season, too.
0: Yeah, I thought so, too. He had that one game with 170 yards but I think every time he needed him to kind of get you yardage in key situations he was just able to do that and so um, yeah it's a really special season we're getting from him and like we mentioned there's still three games to go uh, games to get Wyoming and Oregon he barely got to touch the ball like just imagine if we were feeding him like we were or now in those games just what his yardage total could actually be on this season would be pretty crazy but uh, you know he's topped the 100 yard mark uh, in every single game um, since Tarleton State. Of course, one of those games, he was only 98 rushing, but like total yards, he was over because of uh, his receiving yardage But really special, really like in what's been a kind of rough season. Uh, it's been really fun to watch this guy uh, run the football. So, uh, more Taj time, please, as this season continues. And that's something we'll get into when we get into the Kansas game. Um, but uh, other notable stats: Quayichan was your leading receiver, eight for seventy-eight. Uh, Xavier White had five for seventy-one. Miles um, Price five for fifty uh, with a touchdown. Dre McCray found the end zone on a long pass too, um, and so uh, spread the ball around quite well to your receivers there. Um, defensively struggled at times you could say uh the one drive that we discussed where they kept giving up long yarded situations for some reason this defense is better at like a third and two than a third and 14 which is odd but um what was your thoughts on uh the defensive performance from this game uh, ex- especially with jacob rodriguez being back in the lineup and getting about 30 35 snaps from him uh, and of course cj baskerville tyler owens getting switched up what did you think
1: yeah besides a couple drives like i thought the defense was Fairly decent for them. I think it's like a little subpar from the season, not to talk bad yeah. on them, but I think they've just had that good of a season that this kind of game wasn't as good as most from the year, Um especially against a TCU quarterback who was God awful. <laughs> I yeah. don't know where Won he was throwing the ball half the time. Uh, we should have had like seven interceptions on him, but some of them were so bad that we overran the ball too. <laughs> uh, yeah. Luckily, Rabbit ended up with two of them and the game winner at the end. The one at the end was very, very bad pass. He just chunked a corner out, and the guy wasn't even close, not looking. We had four guys semi-close that were closer than the receiver. Um, yeah, so I don't know what that was all about. But good luck to them. (laughs) But defense was fine. glad we ended up with two picks out of that terrible performance from the quarterback, though.
0: Yeah, I definitely had a lot of opportunities. Dustin predicted a take three a game, and you had five, six beautiful opportunities. And like you said, some of the passes were just so bad, it was going to be hard for a a defensive back to make those catches. But uh, ultimately, yeah, I agree. agree. Like a subpar performance, 350. Three hundred fifty-three passing yards from this quarterback, who, like we said, was just not good. He just didn't look good, and and so I, I felt like he was able to kind of carve up your defense from time to time. But ultimately, you know, Baskerville seemed like he was in a better position. Like he was making some plays. He was hitting. He was hitting hard uh, uh, during that.
1: Yeah, I thought he played better and Owens played better with that switch. And then, of
0: course, it allowed Rabbit to have probably one of his best games for you where he comes up with the two interceptions. So uh, definitely not like one of their best performances of the year, but they got the job done. Um, It was kind of that late touchdown when uh, you had, uh, you know, gotten stopped, given up the ball. They had to go down a score to try to keep this a game uh, and then ultimately come through to keep them from tying the game at the end. So Ben don't break style of defense, which we've come accustomed to with this Texas tech defense, this Tim DeRuiter led defense. And so um, Texas tech again, gets the win, moving to four and five on the season with three games to go, two wins to get to bowl eligibility. Uh, Next game up is Kansas quick before we get into our Kansas predict or Kansas uh, look ahead and predictions. Uh, our prediction review from our TCU game Dustin had a score of 31 to 28 Texas Tech winning. Uh, I had 34, 24, so both of us in the uh, neighborhood on our score predictions. Uh, offensively Dustin had pass passing the 300 yard mark uh, threshold. He was just short of it 282 yards, so pretty close there. Uh, I had us having our second receiver go over the 100yard Mark, uh, we did not, as I mentioned, Koy was your leading receiver, only at 78 yards. So still have only had one receiver go over the 100-yard mark so far all season. Defensively, Dustin had a take-three game. Once again, so close, uh, two interceptions, two turnovers for the Red Raiders. um, And so one away, and we had the opportunities. We had multiple opportunities to get that one done. Uh, I had uh, C.J. Baskerville and his transition being one of the reasons we would get one of those turnovers. Um, he was not involved on any of the turnovers. So I missed that one, even though, um, we did get some turnovers, which is nice. Got it. We're, we're begging for turnovers here. So to get those is a good thing, but let's shift our attention over to the upcoming game this Saturday, the Texas tech red Raiders head to Lawrence to take on the number 21 ranked Kansas Jayhawks. They come into this game seven and two off of wins over Oklahoma and Iowa state recently. And, uh, they've been playing really well. So Dustin, what are your thoughts on this upcoming game against the number 21 ranked Kansas Jayhawks?
1: Yeah. So kind of like to finish off the game before and go into this and we ended up healthy out of that TCU game. Like this year, we've been so banged up, like somebody's out for the game and out for the next game. And yeah. we ended up very healthy. No one's like banged up. and going to miss another week um, in Monday's, press conference McGuire said that Cole Spencer and Mason Tharp are both still out like a one more week. So that's decent, like positive. <laughs> you know? yeah. but that's like a super big deal for how this year has gone for us on the health status. So like going into yeah. Kansas with the same guys as last week. Whoa.
0: <laughs> Shocking. Shocking. Yeah, it's like but, truly the first game besides starting off the season. And even then so you're like, still dealing with injuries. At that's the like, point.
1: this is probably like the most momentum you've had all year because you came out healthy. Yeah. You're going in with the same guys. You just got a big win against in-state rival type deal. Like I think Barron's, Barron's looking good. like things are trending all in the right way. Like that's good. You got turnovers. You got a healthy quarterback. Like sweet. Now Kansas is a good team. Um, regardless of quarterback that's playing. They, But I think we can match up with them really well on both sides of the ball. And play a great game against them. Now they're also well-coached. So I think a lot of that's going to be a coaching battle as well. I mean, you don't have an upper hand there either. So like very tight matchup between these two sides.
0: Yeah, it's definitely a game that you look at the the line. I think a lot of people thought this opening line would be about a six or a touchdown, but you're only three and a half point favorites, you know, coming into this game. So that's obviously a pretty respectable line, I think, when you consider that we are four and five. But um, yeah, like you said, having that health, having Barron, you know, probably the most healthy he's been all season and coming off a game and, and feeling better. Uh, Joey in his press conference today said Barron's feeling great. That's great news. Having Jacob Rodriguez back uh, is, you know, uh, another addition to that defense that's going to make a huge difference for you. I think it's a very interesting game. I definitely think like this Kansas team is really good. Like you said, the very well coach, Lance Leipold has done a fantastic job turning this team around. It's a team that's going to be very tough to defend. So, can your defense uh, hold this offense in check and give your offense chances to win, or? Uh, are they going to have a tough time and your offense is going to have to play a game of keep up or, or, or try to match with the scores. Um, And and so it's definitely an interesting game to me. It's one that I'm very curious on how Kitley approaches this offensive uh, attack, what you're trying to do. I think you obviously have to try to control uh, the time of possession in this one. I think, you know, Kansas's defense, isn't a scary defense to face. I think it definitely have some advantages that you can uh, use to, to help win this game. So it'll be interesting to see uh, what happens on Saturday as a uh, one of your, it's a huge chance to get back to 500 here, an impressive win, and then set yourself up for all right a UCF game where you can try to get to bowl eligibility instead of having to rely on winning your last two games to do it. So interested in that. Um, Baron, of course, was the most healthy he's been. Uh, he didn't get dinged up at TCU. So uh, he's also had some extra time from that game now to to practice and everything. So, what are your thoughts about uh, Baron Morton, uh, his uh, start coming up against Kansas, and what this offense has to do uh, to pull off this upset against Kansas, which has a defense giving up about two hundred thirty pass yards, one hundred sixty three rush yards.
1: Yeah, and that's what I kind of have highlighted on the defense is they give up one hundred and sixty a game. Like that, it's kind of like T- Makes my open my eyes <laughs> like that's right up Taj Brooks's alley. That's right up what we have started to get accustomed to like and that works well for us and like similar to tcu i would say um so let's roll back the same game plan as tcu like i don't think baron has to carry the load like literally like run what we did at tcu like uh let's give taj the ball as much as we can 30 25 30 attempts again have baron manage the offense i think that's where we excelled the best, and it's another team we can take advantage of that.
0: Yeah, I agree. I was thinking copy-paste, copy-paste last week's, you know, just what you did there, 30 touches for Taj. Uh, This is a defense that uh, is going to let you run on them. You're going to be able to capitalize on some of that, and you have the best running back in the Big 12, in my opinion, right now. Uh, Feed him the rock, let him uh, carry the offense, and then let Barron pick his spots, you know, and, and take some shots here or there. Um, But really, you know, focus on on getting these receivers the ball in space. Let them get those first downs. Uh, Let Taj fight for it in short yardage positions. And then yeah, I do think you're going to have to be a little aggressive here. I wouldn't mind being aggressive on some fourth downs and stuff like that. We know that we're going to do that. But I definitely think it's important to keep the rock in your hand uh, and win that time of possession battle because we got to have, and we're good at them, luckily, but having those 10-plus play drives consistently whether it's you know limit the three and outs move the ball consistently you don't have to score necessarily every time but i I think if you dominate the time of possession uh, by handing the ball off the Taj, by completing those little passes and screen passes i think you have that that's going to put you in a chance to win this game
1: i think it's a really good point because being on the road hasn't been one of our strengths the last two years with mcguire I'm not saying Kansas is a tough place to play. I think we just don't play well on the road anywhere outside of Lubbock. So being on the road is a factor in that. Playing a better offense than you is better than that. They score about one more touchdown a game. They're at 35 points a game. So like keeping it out of their hands and trying to drive and converting and scoring on your attempts is going to be huge in this kind of road game.
0: Yeah, I think it's huge. be good on first and second down here. Give yourself manageable third downs. I think there was several times in that TCU game where you find yourself at like third and 10, third and 15. And it kind of feels like it's just a wash at that point. Might as well go ahead and punt because you don't have you haven't really been able to attack downfield. Um, and so giving yourself chances on third and fives, you know, third and short yardage positions where you can give the ball to Taj and let him get up some yards or complete an easy pass to pick up the first down that's going to be key. So make sure you're calling good plays on that first second downs and give this offense easy conversion situations and complete above 50%, all that's going to be part of the recipe to get the job done. Defensively, Kansas brings in, like you said, a pretty good offense. You said 35 points a game, 38 points a game uh, right now. And and it seems like it doesn't really matter who their quarterback is. Jalen Daniels is hurt. And from what I've seen today, it doesn't look likely that Jalen Daniels will be playing. So I think it's going to be Jason Bean, uh, we're familiar with Jason Bean. He played us last year for uh, with Kansas. It's an offense he, that he's put up fourteen hundred yards passing, fourteen thousand, not fourteen hundred, or I, I got that number right. Um, Ten touchdowns, four interceptions. So he's obviously a weapon. Devin Neal, uh, we're all familiar with this running back. Eight hundred twenty-eight yards. Very good running back. Nine touchdowns. Their leading receiver, Lawrence Arnold. Uh, 515 yards on the season and two touchdowns. So it's a very diverse offense, a lot of different weapons, a lot of ways to attack you. Uh, what do you think the defense needs to do uh, to to stop this Kansas offense give you give yourself a chance to win on Saturday?
1: Yeah, I wrote down way more offensive notes for them than defense. Yeah. Um, that 160 games, the only defensive that I wrote down. But yeah, even with Jason being at quarterback for nine games this year hasn't really Mm -hmm. slowed them down that much. I mean, like you said, Jalen Daniels probably going to be out. He's only played in three games, missed the last five. Um, But I mean, in that stretch, they've beaten BYU. They beat OU two weeks ago.
0: Went on the road, and I was.
1: That's why they ranked twenty first. Yeah, that's BYU is the only common opponent we've had so far. They handled that game. But yeah, big game, big win against OU. Um, so like they're handling their business pretty well, 35 points yeah. a game. They like to run the ball first. The good thing about Jason Bean being in and over Daniels, you don't have to worry about the quarterback run as much. Jason Daniels is also a better yeah. passer too. So like you kind of just win on both sides of that. That's great. Um, but yeah, they still run the ball super well with Devin Neal and even Daniel Hinshaw, their other running backs. Good. Like, Their receivers, you can probably one-on-one match up with these guys and let our DBs play um, because no one has great numbers. Touchdowns are very slim and spread out through the air. So it's going to be strength on strength of their running attack against our run defense. Yeah. so.
0: Yeah, it's been interesting. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see. I, there's one thing I noticed. And I didn't bring it up about the TCU game, but I did notice like your cornerbacks. You were kind of switching out possession by possession, and and towards the end of the game, Malik Dunlap and Rashad Williams weren't really playing. It was Braylon Lux and number 22, which I can't remember uh, his name, but it was it wasn't your main senior cornerbacks that were playing for you. I think maybe those were the guys in when you're getting torn up. And so maybe they got removed and then they put in a little bit of more youth at that position. So it'll be interesting to see kind of what they can do to limit this pass game. But yeah, it all starts with the rush. And when your rush defense has been there, that's given you a chance to win all these games. And so if you can limit Devin Neal, um, it's always comes down to the, the integrity on your pass rushes and not let like being still mobile enough,
1: yeah. yeah, he can still run. I mean, I'm not saying he's going to sit in the pocket, but he's he's no Jalen Daniels, all American. Yeah, yeah. He's not
0: that, but he still is going to be able to pick up yards if you if you're not maintaining that integrity, you're not filling the gaps. Uh, if you don't have that, uh, he's going to be able to find yards, pick up some crucial first downs uh, in certain situations. So you gotta still, you gotta respect this kid because, like you said, Jalen Daniels went out. Candace had high expectations this year, uh, and this kid's been able to do that. So. Uh, interested to see what the defensive game plan will be. I definitely think you're going to be seeing a lot more youth on that defensive line front. I think you've had some guys who've really figured out, uh, carved down some time, uh, some playing time for themselves. And so it'll be interesting to see. Uh, once again, the pass rush just still hasn't been there. I know Steve Linton was hurt against TCU. I think they expect him to be back for this game. So maybe that helps. Um, but you got to find some ways to get some pressure on the quarterback uh, and cause some turnovers. You you Obviously, two turnovers against TCU helps you get the victory. If you're able to get some turnovers against Kansas, give your offense the ball back, give your offense more opportunities to score. uh, You're going to set yourself up for uh, some more success here. So let's get into our predictions for Texas Tech versus Kansas coming up this Saturday, 11 a.m. kickoff once again. Dustin, Texas Tech comes in as three and a half point underdogs in this one shot bet. Which way are you taking? Are you taking Texas Tech as underdogs? Are you taking Kansas as the three and a half point favorite?
1: Good thing I wrote down the right score for this one because I know I was right in the middle last week on the push, basically. (laughs) That half point help. So, yeah, I made sure to differentiate a little bit, but... I think we win this game 34-30, to so I'll take the Tech side of that. Uh, I think we win outright. I had the points on the wrong side of my head, but I think we still win that outright. I think we can stop them a little bit more than they can stop us, similar to the TCU game. So, yeah, I,
0: I want to be with you on there. I just not encouraged by our road performances. I do think having a healthy Baron uh, is going to help. And I definitely think you're going to see a pretty good game. I just don't know if this defense is going to be able to get enough stops. I've got Kansas winning 38 to 30. So I got them covering. It's still like a one possession game for you. You're still in it. Um, but I think Kansas does enough to get the win. So I'm going to take the Kansas side uh, and Kansas wing that. So, um, Thirty-eight to thirty for me. Say, say your score again for me, right quick. Tech thirty-four
1: to thirty. So we're both
0: kind of in this. We're, we both been very similar on our score predictions. Most of the yeah. Years. Offensively, Dustin, which way are you going for your prediction this week?
1: I thought about doubling down on the the Baron three hundred yeah. game, but I think the run game is going to be too yeah. good for him to get that. So I am thinking Brooks like 160 rushing yards in this one going out yeah. Fe- feed the man let him eat he will eat against yeah, the Jayhawks
0: was, uh, I'm on the same I, I, I'm going a little bit more um, shy I guess on the, I'm going over 130 yards but I definitely like that Taj uh, that this is a defense that gives up 160 yards a game Taj has been really good against those kind of defenses that give up around the 150, 160 yards on the ground. So I'm I'm good with yours. I I mean, shoot, maybe him breaking his own personal record in this game over 170 yards would be nice. Um, but I don't want to go too crazy on that. Uh defensive prediction for you, which way are you going on the other side of the
1: ball? Yeah, that was a little tougher because we can't get sacks, obviously. So I've given up on that. Um
0: yeah, we can't get the things that we like to, to produce. The
1: turnovers, Kansas is not a turnover team, really. I mean, they might give you one, but they're not coughing it up a lot. So I'm not high on that either. So I thought really off the track there. Uh, I think we can hold them on third downs, like about 40% or better. Okay. And that would help us win this game.
0: So third down's under forty percent uh, completion rate for Kansas. All right, I like that one. I'm gonna go with we're gonna hold Devin Neal under a hundred yards.
1: I would like that. I would like that.
0: Um, I'm not gonna say we're gonna hold them as a team under a hundred rushing yards because they got the dual threat running backs there, and then they also got Bean. Yeah,
1: yeah, they spread it out, and like multiple running backs, quarterback, they're not.
0: But Devin Neal hurt us a bunch last year. He was all over the field against you last year. I think you kind of get a bounce-back game performance and, and limit what he's able to do. Uh, just what makes me nervous is the passing game because you're coming off probably your worst pass defensive game of the season last, last week. So uh, we'll see how they bounce back. Any other Kansas-Texas Tech tidbits you want to get to here? All right. Well, that will do it for our Texas Tech football coverage this week. Now, it's on to Texas Tech basketball season as the Red Raiders and the Grant McCaslin era is set to tip off Wednesday night. So we've got a basketball uh, preview for you guys. We recorded this a little bit last week. So uh, diving through the roster, diving through the team, uh, and taking a look at some of the expectations that we have for this season. So hope you enjoy our Texas Tech 2023 basketball season preview. Well, it's uh, exciting times as Texas Tech basketball tips off this week, uh, tips off the uh, Grant McCaslin era on Wednesday night against Texas A&M Commerce. But before we completely dive into the Texas Tech basketball team and do our roster breakdown and everything like that, there was a Texas Tech basketball game over the weekend. Texas Tech faced off with Texas A&M on Sunday in an exhibition game in Denton at uh, Grant McCaslin's old stomping yeah. grounds there at, at the pit and UNT. Uh, And Texas Tech gets the win. And while it doesn't count, the Red Raiders pulled off an 89-84 upset over Texas A&M, who's coming into the season ranked, uh, I think, number 15 in the nation. Uh, I've seen them in various different spots and different polls. But overall, a consensus-ranked team, a team that returned quite a bit of players from a team that made it to the tournament last year. And so uh, you did get an impressive victory there. Uh, we were all unable to watch because there was no streaming of it or anything like that. You just had to kind of keep up with Twitter. Luckily, there was plenty of Tech fans in attendance giving out updates as the game went along, and so uh, we were able to keep up with it that way. Some stats from the game pop. Isaacs, your leading scorer for the Red Raiders, has a 30-piece to start <laughs> the game. He has 30 points. Six of them were threes. Um, Chance McMillan, Devin Cambridge, Lamar Washington were your other scorers who... Uh, finished with double figure points um, and, and got the win. Uh, your leading assist, uh, your assist leader for this game was Joe Toussaint, who had seven uh, assists for you. So uh, some good stats from this game. Uh, obviously an exhibition, you kind of take it with a grain of salt. But Dustin, um, what were your thoughts on this exhibition win uh, over the weekend?
1: It counts to me. That's the yeah, most important thing, beating AM. It counts to me. Especially the week before the season starts, and they are supposed to be ranked top twenty, uh, and yep. we're supposed to not be that good or over hyped or whatever some people are calling us. Um, yeah, that's a big win and showing out and eighty nine points really stands out to me. And yes, the from what I could see from Twitter, the amount of pace that they played with was pretty high, and the three point shooting was. Really high. Now, I don't expect us to shoot 43% or whatever it was right. every game. Um, but do I expect us to probably try to shoot 15 or however many we ended up shooting that game? Yeah. like
0: We shot a lot. We made 14 threes. So made that's... 14.
1: That's where I'm getting – I was thinking, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's – I think we're playing into what we're best at. And uh, Coach Smart, bringing him in from Canada to kind of run the offense is – maybe paying off and might look a little different this year. Yeah.
0: I think that's definitely one of the things that I'm taking away from this is I definitely saw that 89 points and I went, wow. And you see 14 threes and you go, okay, okay. like that, that's definitely, it's an exhibition, but that's definitely like some things you're preaching on. And and that was an intense game from what I heard, like both teams were trying to win it. And so um, to get 89 points from this team, Um, It was impressive. I think it's also impressive when you consider I don't don't think Warren Washington scored a single point. And so so you have a bunch of different guys who are able to score. Chance McMillan, one of your uh, transfers from GCU, came in 17 points. uh, Your second leading scorer, Devin Cambridge, uh, had 14. Lamar had 11. So you're getting a lot of offense from your guard play. And, which is really exciting. Um, you're shooting a lot of threes. And one of the things that McCaslin talked about in the offseason was like, we're going to play to our strengths. And he was like, we have an athletic roster that we can push the pace. And he said, you know, we're not going to be that slow team that you've seen from UNT. He's like, we played that way because that's who we had. Yes. And that's what he was kind of had to play to win games. Um, he's going to play the style that be- best fits the players that he has. And I think they specifically recruited to. Have an offense and have athletic type players that can not only play defense and and have that length, but they can also push the pace, get up threes, get up a lot of shots, and be able to to beat you with some offense. So that's really exciting. Any other takeaways that you kind of had from this exhibition, whether it's a, about a specific player or is about any other things you kind of saw or heard about McCaslin and and, and and this team?
1: Kyron Lindsay didn't play, apparently. Yeah, that's a little eyebrow raise for me considering he's one of your three six yeah. eight plus guys you know semi bigs whatever you want to call them He's like your second tallest player <laughs> so uh i haven't heard anything on that but that's a little eye raise for me um yeah outside of what we already mentioned
0: <clears throat> yeah i think there's a few things i'll take away uh one pop going for 30 points like if this is kind of a sign of things that come for him this season then god you i hope expect, so that'd be great uh, a really big season he's obviously one of uh you know a player who had a lot of experience last year who you're kind of just waiting to see what he transforms into from year one to year two I, to
1: start off that way i mean he's already like an edgy player like personally and i think he feels very slighted about not getting any big 12 first second or yeah. honorable mention accolades like I think he is gonna try to rub that in their face and say y'all didn't, yeah, y'all I, didn't think I was anything, and go off. on Yeah, people.
0: I would love that. I would, I would love that from him. He's obviously a fan favorite here, uh, and that he stayed. It's exciting. We'll, you know, dive each into these players a little bit more when we get in there. I think some of the other quick takeaways, um, uh, a lot of the stuff that I saw on Twitter was that McCaslin is coaching these guys up. And, like, that's so unique. It's something that's, like, fresh to see again is because we had two years of Mark Adams just standing there with his arms crossed and not really looking like he's, like, really coaching (laughs) these guys during the game. Uh, And so I think that's, like, oh, yeah, I forgot what it's like to have a coach who's out there coaching these guys and putting them in better situations and actually, like, trying to to correct things that are happening and and coach.
1: (laughs) Yeah, we said it last year a lot, like, our coaching is not – doing the coaching at no. all and i think we're gonna say a lot this year that whoa hey whoa. look coaching and yeah. like like i mentioned in our little preview there like you know getting coach smart from canada who had a great career up there and is like kind of your pseudo offense coordinator and like yeah his last name is smart and he's also just really smart at freaking basketball yep.
0: yeah it never hurts to have guys who uh pretty much only won at <laughs> uh throughout their basketball careers. It's a a thing that you'll notice as we get through the roster and stuff, guys who have been uh, winners at places uh, before and and know a lot of winning. And that's one of the things McCaslin emphasized on. Um, The other thing I'll point out is that to close the game, because Warren Washington fouled out, because side note, uh, Doug Sermons was the official. Oh, I did hear he was,
1: his whistle was pretty hot.
0: Fucking charity exhibition game. And he's over here treating it like it's mid big 12 season it's like come on dude like let the dudes play um but Warren Washington fouled out and so you had to go small ball super, to win the game super
1: small because ended- you're already playing <laughs> small ball. yeah
0: but you're playing Devin Cambridge as your five he was, Devin Cambridge is six six but and another interesting player but I, I definitely thought that was an interesting note too that you ran that sometimes because those are one of the things from coach Adams era is like oh we have some cool small ball opportunities he's like no we always gotta have two centers on the court all the time. Um, and so it's like cool to kind of see McCaslin's going to go small ball this year. It seems like it's going to be something you're going to have to do by necessity out of sometimes. Definitely. But, uh, good that he's willing to do that. And obviously seems like it kind of worked out for you in this game. So those are my quick takeaways from this exhibition. Let's get on to our season uh, preview of the Red Raiders as the season is set to tip off Wednesday versus Texas A&M Commerce. Dustin, uh, dust, let's just start off kind of on the expectation routes here. Now, let's start this off with what are your realistic expectations, your realistic scenarios for the basketball, this team, uh, basketball team this season. We've obviously learned with the football season. Um, you know, we, we we remember it, oh, yeah, you got to temper your expectations yeah. as a Texas Tech fan. We all got drowned in the kool-Aid of this football season and a quick snap back to reality. But, um, when you think about this season at the end uh, of this first year of Grant McCaslin, how do you see that playing out for the Red Raiders?
1: It's hard because obviously a lot of a lot of new pieces, not only on the roster, but coaching staff wise. So almost complete overhaul of this group, a couple pieces stuck around, but I still think you brought in a lot of good veteran Uh Players, uh, and that that really helps. Like bringing a guy like Joe Tucson, who's played a long time at West Virginia and in the Big Twelve. Like he knows how to play in this league every other night, you know. And so, I still think even though you're small, you brought in a lot of good experience. That you should be around the middle of this conference, but like in the top part of that middle, if that makes sense. Yeah, um, I know the top tier is obviously like your Houston, Kansas, um, Baylor's barely kind of playing with that, but then there's a few teams below that, and I think you're right at the top of that third third tier type section.
0: Right. Yeah, I I agree with you. I I think when I think about this season, like your predicted to finish eighth in the big 12. And I feel like that's pretty spot on. Yeah. I think like seventh, eighth kind of makes sense to me when I think about this team uh, and all the unknowns you're bringing in, like you said, a whole new coaching staff, a bunch of different guys, bunch of new pieces. Um, some of your pieces that you had stay over, you know, you didn't really see much of them last year. So how are they, uh, are, are they going to be factors at all? Um, you know, and, and really like what does McCaslin and the staff do? Um, how does mccaslin adapt and just a lot of those unknown factors that you you don't really know just yet and so sure maybe by the middle of the season expectations have changed but right now for me it's just like i think being middle of this conference is going to be enough to get you to the tournament and i think it's a realistic expectation to expect to see this team make it to the ncaa tournament or or be a bubble of fringe you know bubble team um, I think, like when realistically, I can see it kind of going one or two ways. I can I can see it being a team that um, makes it into the tournament as like a eight nine ten seed. That's what
1: I kind of expect eight nine in the, yeah. in the tournament.
0: Yeah, and, and maybe pulling off a victory. You know, anytime you get to the tournament, you just throw the ball up and, and see what happens. Uh, but that's kind of where my expectations are, and I and I think the other side of that expectation is like even if you're still in that same spot you might be maybe you didn't get uh one or two impressive enough victories to get you into the tournament and so you're maybe in the nit or something like that but uh, ultimately that's kind of my realistic expectation for the season remember uh low you know keep those expectations at a realistic place guys we all learned it through football um we remembered it through football and, and that's important heading into the season i think yeah yeah so uh, that being said, Dustin, let's, let's look at the, the possible ceiling for this team though. Like, remember trying to still be realistic here, but what, what could you see the ceiling being for this team? If pop makes a leap, Lamar makes a leap, like Devin Cambridge, Warren Washington, like some of these transfers, um, you know, become really good players for you. Like, what, what do you think the ceiling can be for this team? Because it's still important to discuss like possibilities.
1: Yeah. And i I'm gonna go back to what I just <clears throat> said. With your, you know, influx of experience and good players, you have a good chance to have a ceiling because some of these guys have played a lot yeah. of basketball and in the Big Twelve. Um, I could see you beat every team, being scared of you every game, and pulling off a few upsets, not losing the games you shouldn't lose, like yeah. your UCF type games. Um, to those very bottom tier of this conference and be in like a top five type team, like make that jump from eighth to fourth or fifth in the conference. Yeah. Do I think we're going to be competing for the title? No, no. <laughs> I don't think we're a Houston, Baylor, Kansas, um, but from four or five, four or five, you could possibly get in there.
0: Yeah, that's, that's kind of where I have this team as a ceiling. I'll, I'll put us at the fifth spot because I, I think Texas is up there uh, in, in that tier yeah, as well. It's like, that's probably your top four. Uh, for me, five is like, all right, can you be better than TCU, Kansas State, Iowa State, some of those teams there? And I think that's a possibility. Like, Like you look at Kansas State and what they did last year, I think you're kind of in a similar point as you head into the season. It's like, all right, you got returner in pop Isaacs who can make a gigantic leap for you and Mm -hmm. be a reason that at the end of the season, you're a top five team in the conference. And you're like, Oh yeah, it's because pop made a Marquise Noel type, you know, uh, took it that kind of path. And so there's definitely a lot of thing, like a lot of players that can make a leap. And at the end of the season, you're hit sitting there looking like, all right, Chance McBillan was your second best player. And that's why, you know, all of a sudden you're, you're really good. And uh, Lamar Washington made a huge leap for you and, and Devin Cambridge and Warren Washington were steady veteran presences. And so uh, I think for me, when I look at it, it's like fifth spot, I think, is the highest. Now, when you flip that, let's be prepared for worst case scenarios, kind of like last basketball season was kind of like this football season was. We didn't even we weren't even close to this being our, our worst case scenario for a football. But when you think on the flip side of this thing, the floor of this team, uh, Dustin, how do you how would you see that playing out if if things don't go according to plan?
1: I mean, the floor kind of already got raised with that A&M win. Um, I think so, too. And that being not – you didn't get – not streamed, but it was advertised all over Twitter, so people saw it. It wasn't a secret scrimmage necessarily, but with your roster being limited uh, in height and some length issues, that could – especially if – you know, Warren Washington gets hurt and can't play right. for an in period of time. Um, that could really, really affect your floor. Um, I guess I should say your ceiling and in, in those times, because like you're, you got one seven foot guy and two six, eight guys that all, aren't playing right now. And then you're six, six and under. So that's yeah. your limiting factor um, right there. So, If that becomes a problem for a long stretch of conference play, I mean, your floor could – I wouldn't say as low as last year ended up being. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Because I think you have a better coach and better experience and leaders on this team. But you could end up in that bottom half and outside of tournament play, no doubt.
0: Yeah, that, that, I think that's kind of what the floor is for me is, is you know, maybe a couple of those 50-50 games, you, you end up on the wrong side of them. Uh, you have some injuries along the way. Uh, you find yourself in the bottom half of the Big 12, maybe around the 10, 10 spot. I think there's definitely like four or five teams in the Big 12 that I look at, and I'm like, you should be clearly better than these teams. Um, um, but, you know, maybe some injuries go wrong for you. Maybe, maybe this – you know what happened in the in the scrimmage game was was an anomaly. And, and so uh, and the team just doesn't really click and you have issues scoring the ball defenses and all that solid because you lack size. Uh, teams like Kansas with Hunter Dickinson and stuff like yeah. that can really uh, expose that for you. And so, you know, for me, it's just kind of a couple couple extra losses on the season that you might have not had. Maybe you slip up to a UCF and stuff like that. you're you know, you can't get those wins that should be wins find yourself on the lower half of the big 12 and outside of the NCAA tournament. That's kind of where I see the floor of this team, but it really is hard to see uh, foresee that happening with the fact that now you have some proof that you can compete against teams that are expected to be really good this year. You went out in there uh, and handled things well against an a and team that that's going to be competing. I think they're predicted to finish like second or third in the sec. So um, if you're up playing to that level already, Um, that 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 can spell some good things out for you in this season and so um, the players that are going to have to make it happen for you let's dive into the texas tech roster now Uh, we always like to break these up into the the categories uh, especially now that you have uh, kind of specific categories you got the returners you got the transfers and you got the freshmen so let's start off with the returners all the guys that we are familiar with as we got to see them last season let's start off with the guy that we talked about a lot from the scrimmage uh, the exhibition game that's pop isaacs he returns for his sophomore season as a red raider was your best uh maybe your best player last year um, i think like m- m- the most enjoyable player to yeah. watch last year uh, fan favorite pop isaacs returns for his second season 30 points in the exhibition like we mentioned uh, a little chip on his shoulder being left out a lot of the Big 12 conversations. Dustin, what do you think about Pop and and what are you kind of looking from him in year one to year two this year?
1: Yeah, apparently there's already going to be a big jump and he was, yeah, your best score last year. Um, mm-hmm. But like I mentioned earlier, I think he's going to have a chip on his shoulder from not getting any Big 12 accolades and attention uh, after being a really good offensive player last year. And and yeah, scoring thirty points in his first little exhibition was great. Yeah. Still exciting. a good shooter, maybe better. <laughs> he yeah. was by far your best shooter oh. last year. And if we're gonna play kind of small and fast, that plays even better into what he does. Like if we're gonna play at a fast pace, that means more shots for pop. Yeah. And I'm all right with that. So, I mean, he he should be your M V P your leader. He's he's Looked like that last year already. And so I'm excited to see how much more he can bring you this year.
0: Yeah, me too. Uh, it's exciting to see. He had 10 attempts from three. Like, I, I think. Sweet. So, like, that's, that's how they like, give Taj 25 carries yeah. a game. Give Pop like <laughs> yep. 10, at least 10 threes a game. Uh Especially with the way we know he can shoot it. Like, sure, there's going to be some off games from him. But ultimately, one of the better shooters that we've had come through Texas Tech. And so far. I'm really excited to see uh, – really excited to watch him and see what he does. I think for me what I'm watching him and uh, is to become that like three-level score. Uh, he was kind of limited to where, all right, he's just going to shoot threes and sure he could have some big scoring games because he can pour it in from deep. But I really want to see him become a guy who can get to the basket. I want to see him become a guy who can uh, get to the mid-range and uh, hit some shots there and not just kind of solely focus on three. And I think that's something you saw uh in, in that exhibition was he was getting to the rim he was uh, great on fast break opportunities for you because of the way that he can pull it from deep if he needs to or he can get to the basket uh, but i think if he becomes a three-level threat like that really just changes the outlook of this offense because not only when he's driving to the basket is he creating open shots for other guys on the outside or guys crashing to the rim like a Warren washington at Devin game cambridge like and then and then he he can finish and get fouled and get to the free throw line where Mm -hmm. he's a good free throw shooter. And that just creates more scoring opportunities for him. I know it's like a lofty expectation and I'm not trying to compare him to Steph, but I hope he watches a lot of Steph Curry because like, that's what he needs to be on the offensive side of the ball. Just constantly moving, constantly getting himself open looks from three point line and then be a guy who can get to the basket and finish amongst the trees. Like that's not again, not saying he's Steph that's you can't really compare people to Steph, but that's the kind of trajectory. And I think like stuff that he needs to be doing for you offensively. And ultimately if he makes that leap and he becomes this guy that we saw against a like he's going to have himself in the conversation of a all conference caliber player, uh, first team, second team uh, type guy for you. And ultimately if he makes that leap into that kind of guy for you, then you're, can expect good things to happen this season so excited to see what he brings uh seems like he's got a chip on his shoulder that he's playing uh, with a lot of energy and passion going to be a fun season from pop isaac next up on that list lamar washington he returns as a a sophomore as well Uh, year one for him was a a little up and down i would say Um, um you could see a lot of potential from him on the defensive side of the ball offense never really seemed to get going uh, what do you think he was one of your kind of bright spots in this exhibition? He had 11 points for you. Uh, what do you think you're we're getting from Lamar Washington in his second season here as a red Raider?
1: Yeah, it'd be interesting to see how much he jumps because he was an interesting freshman last year that, um, played a lot of good defense and yeah. offense was pretty, pretty limited. It seemed like, and he's going to be one of your first guys off the bench. Most likely Is your, backup point guard. Um yeah, he
0: was your first sub in that UNT game. Uh, or I mean a uh, A and M
1: game. A&M. Possibly yeah, six man, possibly your best defender. Um, we you know he's big and long and pretty disciplined on that end. So what can he do on offense to keep himself on the floor is what I'm gonna be looking for.
0: Yeah, me too. I think we all saw the caliber defender he can be. Um, he can be a potential all conference defender yeah. at that guard position with his six foot four frame, um, that size. He caused problems last year and a couple of your big upsets against Iowa State and Kansas State. Like he was really a problem and a factor for some of those smaller guards. And so, um, whatever, you know, he's obviously going to become better as a defender here with uh, more experience now. And then whatever he adds to his game offensively for you, I think, is just like a, a win for this team overall. Like he had 11 points. He seemed like he was able to get to the rim, Caught a couple highlights of him getting to the rim, finishing. Um, and so whatever he adds to, to this team offensively is just going to be a win for you. Can he be a playmaker who creates shot for other people? Can he get his own shot? Can he get to the rim? Um, so just excited to see what leap he makes in this year one to year two. He's another guy that if he makes a pretty good leap, like at the end of the season, your fourth fifth place in the Big Twelve Conference, it's probably because Pop and Lamar made big strides. The other freshman uh, to sophomore with you in that group, Robert Jennings, he came in last year. Uh, you kind of had to play him by losing some size with Bacho getting hurt, Fardoes not being able to play, kind of got thrusted into some minutes, but. You didn't really see a whole lot of him last year. Um, so he uh, makes that, uh, stays with you, makes that leap from year one to year two. What do you think that we can get from Robert Jennings as kind of one of uh, one of your few guys who plays big despite not necessarily having uh, that huge size as he stands at six foot seven?
1: Yeah, still not that huge of a guy. But as a freshman last year, got a lot of run at like, power forward and center. Um, so that's a lot of good experience for him and he's going to be in that same type of role this year uh backup big man probably with a little more run than he got last year but really that's all we need from him just come in and be a really good rebounder and yeah. defender um for us it looks like we have plenty of offense at the other guard and forward positions and being smaller we need him to just come in and be big play defense grab rebounds cuz i think rebounding is going to be a weakness for us
0: yeah i think he needs to use that we clearly could see he has the athleticism to hang in there as a a big guy uh despite having that size but yeah if he can come in be a good rebounder for you good screen setter um you know attack the rim on some of those screens and, and be like a pick and roll guy for you that you can uh get some run at him uh you know in the post yeah, it's a decent mid-range game. He was able to knock down some mid-range shots. So, yeah, he's just another kind of player. I, I'm really curious to see what he looks like this year. Um, um, I think we can kind of know what to expect from Pop and Lamar on on how they get better. But uh, he was kind of one of those guys who uh, never really felt like got going. Um, but you could see some flashes here and there. Yeah. So we'll see what he looks like in year two. Uh, could be a big factor for you in some small ball kind of lineups when you have to go with him at the big because either Warren Washington's in foul trouble, maybe Devin Cambridge is. And so you have to uh, use him in that position. So I'll be interested to see him there. Uh, The last two guys will kind of combine here because they're similar, I think. uh, But guys who transferred in last year uh, did, I think a lot of people expected them to transfer out again this year, but they did not. They stayed on the roster and that's the Marion Williams and Kerwin Walton. Easy to kind of forget that they're still here. I think uh, when you think of all the new guys you've brought in and stuff, but uh, two guys who also never really found their fitting on the team, whether that was them, whether that was coaching, not really sure. But uh, Kerwin came in as a 40% three-point shooter who you saw in just a couple games, him, him really get to unleash that. Damarian Williams was a kind of spark plug defender, came in, knocked down some threes in some games. But uh, what do you want to see from them? And, and, and are you curious about how Grant McCaslin tries to find ways to use these guys this season?
1: Yeah, the usage of them is definitely the question here because Kerwin is definitely misused or not used at all last year for the most part. Um, Maybe our smaller, faster pace gives him a little more chance to get out there and play more. Um, And same with – I forgot his name for a second. DeMorian Williams. Sorry, we got a lot of Darian Williams, Devin Cambridge, DeMorian Williams. I'm confused already with this roster, you should see SPC's roster. I'll tell you about that one later. Uh, (laughs) Talking about getting names mixed up. But, yeah, like, Morgan got a little bit of a run last year with how well he controlled the ball and assists and defense. Um, So I think he'll be able to work his way in the rotation. But, yeah, it'll still be two guys that came in as good scorers and three-point shooters that were highly misused last year come in and get used in a much better way by grant mccaslin and dave smart
0: yeah i think they're interesting for that especially if you're trying to run the pace and put up a lot of threes like if if the sign of what we did in the exhibition is a sign of anything to come like it definitely seems like this is a team that's going to want to put up a lot of three-point shots their game fits that and so yeah um you know can they be used in that and, and kerwin we know if he gets going he can drain four or five threes for you and so uh, I, I definitely think they're both guys who it's going to be like every few games they'll kind of make an impact, but I, I don't really know what to expect. From I'll them. take that because that's way more than yeah. what we got last year. Way more than what we got last <laughs> year. I hope we have a coach who knows how to put them in the right situations for them to succeed, uh, for how how to get Kerwin open threes. Like It just felt like we put Kerwin out there and we could never get him open looks. Um, and so being able to get these guys open and then – you know, when they are on a roll, they can be big factors for yeah. you. And so I didn't see much stuff from them on the exhibition game. I don't really know how much they played or if they, I think Kerwin hit maybe a three or two in there, but um, ultimately they're, they're kind of guys who, Hey, if they make a leap for you and they become players for you this year, that would be uh, just a, a blessing. Cause now you'll have extra depth for this team. Um, and so let's move on to the transfers where you got a lot of exciting transfers coming yeah. in. And I think, uh, the majority of these names are going to be guys who we're going to remember at the end of the season. So let's start off with the three senior transfers the, who will come in and be the one-and-dones. That's Warren Washington. Uh, he's your seven-footer on the roster. Uh, Sends that seven-foot exactly. Comes in from Arizona State. His teammate at Arizona State, Devin Cambridge, comes in. He was your uh, small ball big. He stands at six-foot-six. And then uh, Joe Tucson from West Virginia – uh, comes in as your other senior transfer. So uh, let's start with Warren Washington, the seven-footer, the one big guy on this roster. Dustin, what do you expect from him this season, and uh, how do you think he's going to be utilized?
1: Yeah, it would be nice to have a athletic seven-footer back underneath the rim. I expect him to be a little more like Tariq Owens was for you a handful yeah. of years ago, um, just hanging around the rim, grabbing rebounds almost two blocks a game last year um at arizona state so can he stay out of foul trouble will be the big question because yeah. he's a, our only big big guy only big. so that's our my only issue with him but yeah like he didn't even score in the a&m game but obviously we don't need him to score a lot rebound get putbacks, be a great defender um is what i'm hoping for him
0: yeah i think like having him as a defensive anchor for you is going to be like where he's needed the most being able to guard guys when you're going up against the Hunter Dickinson's of, oh, of the, the that world. one scares and me. That one scares me. But, and, and that's especially where you need him to stay out of foul trouble. But uh he is a guy who can, can be a defensive playmaker for you down low, change guys shots as they're driving to the rim, put, send back a lot of shots uh and create some early offense for you. And then, He's just a guy like whatever he gives you offensively, you'll take it. You know, whether that is rim running, lobs, yeah, yep. uh, you know, rebound putbacks. Um, you know, I don't think he's somebody that you're just going to be relying on to score points for you. I think that's what you have your guards uh, for. But um, I'm excited to see what he can do leading this defense and, and, and can we have like a legit seven-foot rim protector. We saw moments of it with Bacho before he got hurt and sick and whatever happened with him. Um, but it feels like we haven't had a true big man like this who can really anchor a defense in a while. And so excited to see what he can do there. His former running mate at Arizona State, Devin Cambridge, was one of the interesting guys from this exhibition, I think. Kind of ended up being your small ball five, a very athletic, versatile six foot six in Devin Cambridge. It was a guy who scored 14 points in that game, put up a lot of threes, uh, had some uh, nice alley-oop that he was a part of. And so he comes in as a guy who I think you're going to use in a lot of different ways. Dustin, what do you want to see from Devin Cambridge this season?
1: I mean, it seems like we're going to see everything from Devin Cambridge. Yeah. With, uh, him being a six, six senior forward type guy. I mean, he's played three years at Auburn, a year in Arizona state with Warren Washington was your like almost backup center. It seems like yeah. in this exhibition, um, But he's athletic, strong, he's got experience. So I love all those pieces for you. Besides that, I don't know what we're necessarily getting from him just because I haven't seen him really.
0: Yeah, I think he came in as kind of one of the big unknowns for me this season. Mm -hmm. He kind of flew under the radar in recruitment. It was like all of a sudden we're getting this kid from Arizona State and, oh, we're getting Warren Washington's teammate – um and you weren't really sure what to expect but both of these guys were on a Arizona state team that made the NCAA tournament last year a thing that we will mention as we go through the rest of these um transfers is that they all played in the NCAA tournament yep. uh and so you have guys who won uh and are, and know what it's like to win and make the tournament and so that's important but um I think you're really just going to see him be a versatile guy for you and he could be one of the bigger X factors for this team is uh, seems like he can cause some havoc on, on defense, uh, a lot of blocks and a lot of steals, um, uh, rebounding machine. He's a guy who put up a lot of double doubles last year for Arizona state, um, scoring rebounding. Um, and so, uh, he also hit a couple threes for you. And so it seems like he's a guy who can score at all three levels and that's really exciting. And, and so, yeah, a lot of versatility from Devin Cambridge. And, and I, I expect him to be maybe one of your better players at the end of the season, uh, because of that fact and and what you might have to do in going small and, and letting him carry you on defense and also be a playmaker for you on offense and so he can be a big mismatch if that's the case and so interested to see him your last transfer Joe Toussaint comes over from West Virginia he's a guy that we're familiar with uh, played last year in the Big 12 went up against him a couple times um, and then um, just a guy who, uh, a lot of experience. Another guy who was on a team that made the NCAA tournament last year. Uh, before that, he played at Iowa. Teams that made that NCAA tournament has a lot of winning. Comes from Bob Huggins, who, you know, doesn't coach anymore, but as a tough coach and, uh, you know, uh, emphasizes a lot of defense. He led the team with assists. What do you think we can expect to see from Mr. Tucson this season, Dustin?
1: Yeah, Tucson like, excites me not in, like, that he's going to light up the scoreboard, but, like, right. he's going to be your, like, bulldog-type guy. Yeah, I think the best way to put it. Like, tough, gritty, defensive dude, and he played pretty well last year with West Virginia and Bob Huggins. Like, nine points, three boards, like, two assists, and, like, shot the ball decently well, especially that one game against us, of course. Um But, like, super experienced dude very tough i think it's really good to put a guy like him get next to pop to learn from because like how to yes. use that how to use that edge that you you play with to your advantage so like great for this team culture wise but also like great for pop getting to learn from him
0: yeah, I think they make up a very interesting backcourt together because I think you got Pop, who's definitely your scoring point guard right. guard position that you want to be, and Toussaint's going to be more of like your playmaker, creator, and, and get guys shots. And like if he's a, able to do seven assists a game, like if he's like that's a sign of things to come from what he's going to do and setting up guys and getting them the ball. Like that's really exciting. It seemed like he was really in control of of the uh, transition offense too. Uh, and so that's really good to see is, is a team that can hopefully execute in transition and, and, and capitalize on those opportunities. And so, yeah, really excited for him and, and really excited to have him alongside pop. I think it's really important that pop got to play with Davion Harmon last year. And now Joe Toussaint this year, two guys with lots of experience and going through the big 12 and a guy when, when pop's kind of struggling, he can, he can lead your team. Like if pop's not hitting shots, he can be a guy who can take over and kind of be like, Hey, I'll, I'll, I'll control this while Pop gets settled down. And then ultimately, you know, when Pop gets back and gets involved. And so really excited to see what he can bring to this backcourt. And, of course, like you said, he's just kind of got that dog mentality, it looks like, from from seeing everything about him, from remembering what he was like at West Virginia. I think he fits right into what McCaslin is going to want to do with this team. So excited to see what kind of leap he makes for the team this year uh next transfer we'll talk about this was one of my more intriguing transfers i think it was very intriguing and in what he did against grand canyon or, or what he did against texas a&m coming from grand canyon university and that's chance mcmillian uh he had 17 points hit four threes for you in the win over a&m uh, played at gcu last year another team that made it to the ncaa tournament he had 16 points in that NCAA tournament game against Gonzaga. So uh, when the lights were shining brightest, he, he showed up in that regards. A uh, guy who's going to do a lot defensively. I saw he led the team in uh, steals at GCU Sweet. last year. So he's a versatile defensive player. But uh, Dustin, what do you uh, like from Chance McMillian? And what do you kind of think he can be for the Red Raiders
1: this season? Yeah, chance is going to be your guy that comes off the bench and might light it up and lead the team in scoring all of a sudden. Yeah. Like, he's your spark plug, we need a jolt of offense off the bench type dude. I mean, he hit 44% from three-point in five-year in Grand Canyon. That's ridiculous, like, stat-wise. So, if we can get some of that, which also might contribute to us wanting to shoot the three so much, but it seems like he – fits right into what Dave Smart McCaslin uh, want to do with this offense. Like putting a guy like him on the wing beside Pop and Tucson that could drive and kick. Like he could be a really critical scoring piece off your bench. Yeah,
0: yeah I see him. And it might not be like the, the big Ferris comp. I don't know. I see him as kind of like an Adonis Arms type coming from a smaller school uh, made the tournament and then comes here and just kind of can take a leap because he's stepping up to to the talent that he's facing yeah. and stepping up uh, for this team. I think he's a little bit different than Adonis is. I think he's a better shooter. Um, Adonis was definitely more physical, um, but I, I see him kind of kind of being on that Adonis arms trajectory here. Is just he's going to get better. Uh, against this competition that he's playing but yeah very versatile offensive player can score a lot of different ways can score from three shoot the ball very well there was a video on twitter like last week or so of him and pop just going back and forth draining threes left and right Uh, so that's really exciting to see he might be your best shooter on some days and then also he had a couple Mm -hmm. plays where he was able to get to the rim and finish and that's also really exciting is that he can be a versatile scorer not only relying on the three, get to the rim, create some shots and opportunities for himself and others. Um, The next up on our transfer watch, Darian Williams, another guy. That's very intriguing to me coming from Nevada university last year as the mountain West conference player of a freshman of the year. Uh, That's pretty good honors. When you come in as a freshman and do uh, what he did, he was a seven point per game scorer, led the team with rebounds, um, a guy who just stuffed the stat sheet, Dustin, what do you expect from Darian Williams, uh, not to get it confused with, you know, Damarian Williams, Devin Chambers, all the all the complicated names.
1: Yeah, and then also don't confuse him. He's from Nevada, not Grand Canyon. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like yeah. So many similar similarities with this group this year. But, yeah, he's, like, <clears throat> the most intriguing to me just because, like, he's in that sophomore class kind of like, Papa Lamar as well. But like you just mentioned, like at Nevada, he put up seven and seven with two assists a game. Like that's pretty good numbers. Mountain West freshman of the year to a team that won over 20 games and made it to the tournament. Like that's some really good play from a freshman uh, that I like adding to our team. Yeah. And also like noteworthy that he started for you in uh-huh. that game against a um, so maybe, and then maybe that's just cause what he brings you or you like some other guys off the bench better, but I mean, that's pretty big that he was able to come in and, and start for you, um, as a transfer sophomore.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. Cause he's a six foot six guard. He really fits that, that mold that, you know, Adams loves so much Is like yeah, a six, 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 guy six eight. He, uh, can, can be the point guard for a team, but also be the guy who can switch and, and use that versatility on defense for you. Uh, I love that he led the team in rebounding last year. That's something that's really cool um, for me is like, I love those teams where you have guys like that, that can get a rebound and then you're immediately in transition offense. And he had a 90 assists to 30 turnovers last year. So that's a kid as a freshman who had a lot of control over what he was doing. Um, offensively, and that's something that he's going to build on and get better for you and be a guy who can make plays, create shots, find guys open around the basket, out for threes, um, and take some of that pressure off pop for you uh, in, with that guard play. And so, yeah, he's very intriguing. There's a lot of these guys super intriguing, yes. and he's definitely one of them that uh, at the end of the season, if you look at and you're uh, much better than you thought, I think uh, Darian Williams will be a big factor in why you are much better than you expected to be because uh, of what he brings. And, and I think there's always just such a key factor in that freshman to sophomore year. You've done it once. Now you know what it takes. You've learned a little bit. And then you really make those strides in year two, figuring out what uh, things you got to add to your game. And, and so you have several guys on that trajectory that, that can yeah. uh, be really interesting for you. Uh, last transfer and one of the ones we kind of mentioned the exhibition didn't play. So we're not really sure what to expect from him. He transferred in mid season of last year. That's Kyron Lindsay transferred from Georgia, Uh six foot eight player for you. Uh, seems very intriguing as a player, especially if you want to do some small ball stuff, but uh, didn't play for you at all in the exhibition. And I've heard some things that you might not expect to see much from him this season. So Dustin, I don't, I don't know where you were going to take that or if you just want to uh, just move on from him or just move on
1: and hope he's here later when you talk Maybe. about him, when he plays.
0: Yeah. It's something to monitor. Um, But yeah, one of those players that you you like the size that he brings and some of the stuff that he did in his limited games last year seems uh, to be intriguing, but uh ultimately might not be a factor for you this season. Don't know whether that's in, in injury wise or just uh, doesn't want to compete or, or some of those things that players deal with um so we'll keep a monitor on that and then your last two players the freshmen also guys not sure what to expect from them this season uh that's drew steffi and emily yalahu who uh is also one of your bigger guys on this uh, on this team comes in uh at six foot eight as a freshman he looks Um, way bigger
1: than that in pictures
0: yeah, just saying. Ganic in pictures. Uh, he actually came in for you in that exhibition when Warren Washington found out to try to give you some size, so that kind of shows that he might be used. But uh, anything you wanted to bring up about these players?
1: No, yeah, Yalahu looks way bigger in pictures than expected. I mean, he is a freshman, so maybe just still growing. But they're uh, they got to adapt to their bodies yeah. and to the college game, and we got besides Yahoo, but we got other experienced guys that we can rely on while they adapt.
0: Yeah. I think like when we just went through all those names, it's like you have so many players that you're going to expect more from that. I just don't really see them having huge roles on their team this year. Uh, They might be in some games where you have some blowouts uh, come in kind of at the end or, or maybe they're able to work their way into, um, getting some minutes and so those are just guys the monitor i think whatever you're able to get from them is obviously going to be a positive for you this season if they find their way that means that they've earned it and so um we'll be curious to see what they uh look like as freshmen dustin now that we've gone through that entire roster an exciting roster i think for grant mccaslin in this year one uh who are your biggest x factors uh uh, from that that group of names that we mentioned coming into this season
1: yeah i mean we're obviously going to say like the jump that Pop makes. So we'll just yeah. automatically chalk we'll that one that out. Yeah. Right. Um, but like, I don't know, Darien Williams really intrigues me and hit what he can do. Um, so does Chance McMillan. Like, those two guys seem similar, I guess you could say, and yeah. like what they can do and what they can bring to you. But then, like, I think the biggest intrigue and expect could be like what Devin Cambridge brings and his versatility to you so i like, think i'm gonna be watching for him the most and seeing how we use them um, in a variety of ways and how he's used on the court and what he can bring to you
0: yeah i, I think those are all three good ones my guy is chance mcmillian That's, that that i'm riding with this year as my biggest x factor he came in as your second leading scorer in that game 17 yeah. points Um, that 44% from three is, uh, uh, tough to do in college. So if he can consistently be a scoring threat for you, uh, take some of the pressure off pop offensively, be a guy that you can trust to, to knock down shots for you, get to the rim attack offenses. I think that's really exciting, but those are, I I definitely think when you like look at that and counting out the players that, you know, were here last year and the possible leads that they make, those are the three biggest guys, Devin Cambridge, Chance McMillian, Darian Williams, because... I think, like you said, Devin Cambridge's uh, versatility and how he's going to be used by, by McCaslin. seems like he has a lot of trust in this guy. Um, it's going to be interesting. And then the kind of leaps McMillian and Williams make from yep. um, you know smaller schools to big schools. You saw what it did when Adonis Arms made that leap for this team. Like, Can they kind of do that and become that kind of player for you? That's just a factor for you. And at the end of the year, if you're winning a lot of games, uh, those guys are going to have a lot to do with that. Year one of McCaslin starting up. Any uh, any particular things that you're you're looking for from McCaslin and this coaching staff now that we've you know kind of gone through this roster? Are there any things that kind of rear in its head that you're like I'm really interested about this things that you uh, want to discuss here?
1: Yeah, I think I've mentioned it a couple of times, obviously already, but like our size is going to be an issue, and how do we how does McCaslin and company coach around that? Um, looks like at AM or at North Texas against AM, they tried to use that to their advantage by going fast. Maybe subbing playing a lot of guys. A lot of like that rotation, mm-hmm. kind of like we used to have with Beard and Adams a little bit, but like we're playing fast with it rather than yeah. sitting back and just playing defense. So it seems like he's going to use our s- small type line up to our advantage and go fast and shoot threes. But, you know, that's on that particular roster stuff. The other kind of McCassin thing is just how does he he adapt to going from North Texas where he built a good program in five years, but you're not playing as great a competition in what the American maybe. Yeah, whatever. uh, uh, As you are in the Big 12, best best basketball conference in the country, and it just got bigger bigger better and deeper this year and even next year so how does he adapt especially once that conference season starts when you got two top 25 games every week yeah back back. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah those are some of the things I'm watching one of the things you know uh, not as much substitutions hopefully uh, you remember uh, game would have start and Mark Adams already has a guy ready to sub in um, that's one of the things appropriate substitutions. To- I'm hoping to put behind us, uh, yeah, appropriate substitutions, uh, let guys kind of get on a roll before, like, oh,
1: they made a shot, they're out. Um, Well, just a tangent on that, like, and we heard that guys were afraid to shoot under Adams because he would immediately pull them, which maybe that's what uh, Kerwin's problem was because you could tell he was afraid to shoot. If guys aren't afraid to shoot or if they get hot, like you mentioned, that's what kind of triggered me there. Like, if they get hot, let them cook. Let them stay in. Yeah. Don't let, let them him make cook. a free throw and then sub them out.
0: <laughs> yeah. I think that's like something I'm really excited about. It was, it was so frustrating over the last few years of just like guys getting in because we got to, got to sub them in and out. Um, even though it's like, all right, Kevin O'Banner just finally made a three. It's immediately sub them out. Yeah. Um, so that's some things. And yeah, <laughs> I, I think the freedom that these players might have, it looks like pops just got that green light. You know, it looks like chance McMillan's got that green light, like, how are they going to play with the coach who's not going to immediately sub them out if they make a mistake? That gives a lot of players a lot more freedom uh, to play and, and have that kind of power on offense and defense on, uh, to know, hey, I can make mistakes here. Uh, we can improve on those mistakes and I can get better and then I can you know, learn from them and improve. That's something that I'm very interested at. The small ball stuff uh, is very interesting to me. I think I like that. It could have been a disadvantage in the AM game, but we turned it into an advantage by, all right, all right, this is what we're going to do. And so that's exciting to me. Um, and especially just because the last two years, it just felt like Adams had those opportunities, but he was like, this is what we're going to do. Yeah. And this, and this is how we're going to do it. No questions asked. And that's, that's frustrating. And I think when you talk about McCaslin and his ability to adapt, that's one of the things I'm looking forward to. Uh, is a coach who can make adjustments as the game moves along. Like, can he be that guy who, all right, we're, uh, we're not sk- keeping up with this fast pace. We need to slow things down or, Hey, we need to, we need to really up the tempo and how he makes halftime adjustments, defensive adjustments. All right. We got a team who's draining a bunch of threes on us. How Are we do we gonna come keep out letting them- and
1: start the second half?
0: <laughs> yeah, that too. <laughs> Are we going to keep letting a team who's a guy who's hit five threes on us continue to get open looks like certain things that Adams, you know, Hey, no middle defense is cool, but when teams are draining 15 threes on you, you got to make adjustments. And so that's one of the things I'm looking for there. And just also excited to see a guy on the sideline, coaching this team up, getting into it, um, uh, showing some emotions. That's going to be, uh, that's going to be refreshing, man. Uh, That's one of the things we loved about beard is how emotional he was and how we would get into the games. And then you immediately go from that to Adams to, so it'll be nice to have that back hopefully on the sideline and, Uh, I'm just really looking forward to it, man. I'm really looking forward to seeing how he uh, fares in year one. Uh, Schedule breakdown, the big non-conference games of this uh, season. and We won't really dive into the Big 12 games because we kind of know what to expect from the Big 12. Of course, there's four new schools. But non-conference-wise, the games that are really going to kind of test you early on, you got the Battle for Atlantis, which you kick off that tournament against Villanova. So you're right there going to figure out kind of what team you got when you go to that tournament uh, if you win you could play North Carolina uh, or Northern Iowa if you lose um, there's also like Michigan Stanford uh, Arkansas Arizona. some other really good teams in that tournament too so uh, cool uh, offseason opportunity you also go to Butler uh, and you have a uh, home game versus Oral Roberts which will be one of the, you know one of those mid majors who usually makes the NCAA tournament so that's always fun to have. Than a neutral site game against Vanderbilt. When you look at the the non conference games and those opportunities, that's in kind of what do you think uh that that means for this this team this year?
1: Yeah, Atlanta's would be a good challenge depending on who we get there. Obviously, Villanova is really good coming out the gates. Yeah. Um but just to take that trip and see see what you guys can do. But the the home versus Oral Roberts is cool because we've been kind of complaining as season ticket holders the last few years that our home non-conference schedule sucks. Um, yep, we would you know we got the Kentucky game that one year. Um, then we got like LSU back to back or like three out of four years or some BS in the SEC games. So like, it's cool to have a different team that's we know of. You know, Kevin O'Banner came from Oral Roberts. Yeah. Um, they make a tournament. It's had success, so. pretty solid and good coached. So I think that'll be a good game and that'll be fun. So that's kind of the one I'm looking forward to the most.
0: Yeah. Especially cause like you said, it's, it's usually like UTRGTV or whatever that team yeah. is. And, and, and a bunch of shitty teams we don't care about. And so uh, at least oral Roberts has had some success the, thrown there,
1: but who's the LSU team. That's not LSU that we what we've always play
0: Northern LSU or is Northwestern state or something like that. That's I can't like, remember. Yeah, they, they have like the exact
1: out, yeah. same LSU looking logo, but it's white. <laughs> And yeah. <laughs> so
0: I'm excited, uh, for that battle for Atlantis. That's a, that's always a tournament where you can really just kind of find out what your team is early on in the season. And all right, we need to make some adjustments here. Or maybe you go on a nice run and then like provide you with some fun over the, the uh, Thanksgiving holiday. And so that's, you know, less than a month away, uh, at Butler, that's going to be a good road test for you. You get to go on the road early and kind of figure out what this team can be like, not, uh, you know, in a hostile environment, Especially because you got a lot of tough Big Twelve road games that you are going to have to win some of, and then a neutral site game against Vanderbilt that'll be cool in Fort Worth there at Dickies Arena. And so, always look forward to those opportunities to get uh, important wins for you that are going to matter at the end of the season and ultimately uh, kind of make or break whether you make the tournament or not. And you know these are cool opportunities. If you yeah. beat Villanova, that's going to be a huge win under your belt very on very early on this season. Uh, definitely makes you feel better as you would get ready for big 12 season. So uh, any other basketball things you want to, to discuss today? We've got us as about an eight to nine seed in the NCAA tournament, how we have us finishing up this season. Any other tidbits or things we didn't get to that you want to discuss? No, man. All right. Well, that will do it for our Texas tech basketball preview. Catch us next week. As we uh, get our first look at the Texas tech red Raiders, we'll be breaking down what we saw over the first couple games uh and more and so looking forward to that looking forward to tip off of this basketball season getting to see coach mccaslin coach smart uh and this basketball team compete this year uh always look forward to that and so uh yeah basketball season is here we're excited and football season comes to a close basketball season kicks up and we'll be back uh throughout this basketball season to cover what we're seeing from the red raiders all right, Dustin. Well, before we get out of here for the week, we have a pretty big final shot to discuss this week. So I will kick it over to you to kick us off with
1: our final shot for the week. The Texas Rangers are World Series champions. That they are. For the first time in history, they win their first World Series. It was incredible. Never lost a game on the road. 11-0 on the road is ridiculous. ridiculous and josh young is on pace to never lose a world series is Pre- facts. Yeah, facts so Not uh, a lot. the fact that he he also had like was carrying the trophy around the most and every yeah. clip and video and post game was awesome like in the team picture he has it in the parade walkout he has it on stage <laughs> like, He's like this is my trophy guys <laughs> yeah just say hey, hope he gets more than one but uh it's incredible like Reiner's been in Arlington for 52 years, I believe. And we all remember like 2010 and 11 and how heartbreaking a couple those were. And to beat the Astros to get to there was awesome. And to finally finish it and win it. And like how they did it, like, honestly, they just beat the crap out of the Diamondbacks in all but one of those games, like the home runs, like, were intense Seager was amazing by far that's why you paid him that money and Simeon was sleepwalking most of the playoffs in the last two games finally woke up hit the you know nail in the coffin type home run in the ninth to finally win it like it's incredible and like everybody's on high the parade looked awesome like I haven't bought any gear yet, but I've looked at yeah. shirts and hats and a big flag. Like I don't know, I'm buying something for sure though. Um, and now like there's already off season talk, like you know, go get a go get the best closer out on the market and Josh Hader. There's Otani rumors floating around already. Like, I
0: Saw something about Aaron Nola, um, one of the, the Phillies pitcher, being yeah, primed to go to the Rangers. So
1: so now I think Chris Young GM's like we're going to try to capitalize and yeah. roll with this and even better part, like next year is the all-star game in Arlington. So like you kind of get to just show off even more and, you know, Texas Rangers going to be shoved down your throats for the next year, basically. <laughs> it's just awesome.
0: Yeah. Pretty cool. And the, and I think like Adolis Garcia and uh, Scherzer went down kind of early in the world series. DeGrom didn't, didn't play most of the year. Yeah. DeGrom didn't play most of the year. Um, Just the the, the bullpen was kind of shaky, but put it all together in the postseason.
1: Bullpen was shaky, and then in the final World Series, they were good. Like Spores was good, Leclerc was good, a couple other guys were fine. Like Chapman still sucked, but
0: (laughs) to be expected. But yeah, Yeah. pretty good run in the uh, strike while the iron's hot and keep it going. I mean, if you're able to add more talent to this already really talented World Series championship roster. Uh, that's just going to make it even more fun moving forward. And so, uh, yeah, it was pretty cool to watch. Phil, uh, real excited for Josh Young and him getting that World Series championship in this year of 2023. You have a Super Bowl champion and Patrick Mahomes. You have a slam dunk champion and Mac McClung. You have Ludvig Adberg who won the Ryder Cup. You have uh, Josh Young, World Series champion, and so uh, pretty big for him. Um, pretty cool. And it was cool to see all, all, you know, I'm not a Rangers fan. I'm kind of adopted this year and, and joined the bandwagon for, for, for Josh. But it's fun to see all my friends who are Ranger fans like yourself and, and stuff get the chance to redeem yourselves from that 2011 nightmare. And finally get to kind of, Diamondbacks had the nightmare of their own strike them in, in, that, <laughs> in that game nine. So uh, pretty cool for you guys. Uh, so excited for that and fun to see all the Rangers shit talk on, on Twitter. Um, right now. So I've been enjoying that. Um, My final shot, uh, RIP uh, to Bob Knight. Uh, This happened after we had recorded last week, Uh, Bobby Knight passed away. Um, And so just wanted to, uh, you know, shout him out as you know, great time watching him coach at Texas Tech Uh, had a lot of fun seasons, a lot of fun memories from uh, his time here. And of course, he had his most of his historic coaching was at Indiana, but um, uh, always enjoyed his teams. It was really fun to watch those guys compete at the USA. And so RIP to the great the legend Bobby Knights and uh, thinking of his family and everyone and all of his players who, Uh, played for him and everything at this time Uh, last little tidbit you know as the Red Raiders also get started the Lady Raiders get started as well they tip off the season Tuesday night and so basketball is back a big season expected for the the Lady Raiders this year they uh, made it to the NIT last year had a much improved season and they're expected to get better and so we'll be there to try to uh, push them to a NCAA tournament appearance which will be the first time since I think 2013 so um let's go lady raiders let's go red raiders let's have some good basketball seasons uh and and get a lot of wins at the usa we'll be there wednesday night as the men's season tips off uh and to catch everything that we're doing throughout the rest of that the throughout basketball season the rest of football season follow us give us a follow on apple on spotify five stars for the tailgate please if you listen to us on apple we always appreciate those reviews Give our social medias a follow. We are on Twitter or X at Telgate underscore talks, but we are also on Instagram and Facebook and we have a YouTube channel. I've been kind of slow there, but still, if you want to support, please give us a follow there. We appreciate you uh, recapping the TCU game with us, getting ready for Kansas and of course getting ready for Grant McCaslin and this Texas tech basketball scene season to tip off. We're excited. Uh, and as always, we will catch y'all at the next Telgate.